can't see the way they hate And I know better than to listen to the people who are calling us names I can feel the sun Well, good evening, everyone. My name's Brian, and today is Thursday, July 13th, 2023, and this is another episode of Lots to Talk About. This is another pre-recorded episode. We're about uh, halfway through our trip in July here. We'll be back uh, and do a full live recap on July 31st. That'll be the, the next live episode, but we're recording this uh, about 10 days prior here just the beginning of July. And my guest today, he can help you design a cost-efficient solar or rainwater catchment system, among countless other things, with Hack My Solar and now Hack My Homestead. He's gone on his own, turning his passion into a business. Here to talk about his journey and what he's got going on, I would like to welcome to Lots to Talk About, Sean Mills of Hack My Homestead. How's it going, man? Good, man. How are you? How are you? Not bad. It's hard to say Sean Mills, not Hack My Solar. Oh, trust uh, me. It's hard for me as well. <laughs> for years and years and years. So I probably started listening to TSP right about the time you ended up on the expert council. Right. Um, and so, yeah, over that repetition, that's what we all talk about marketing. Get that name stuck in your head. And now you're changing gears on me. But uh, Sean, um, for people that don't know who you are, I know I did a little bit of an intro there, but uh, kind of introduce yourself, and then I would just kind of want to chat about how you got to where you're at. Yeah, sure. So my name's Sean Mills. Um, as you mentioned, uh, I've got a company called Hack My Homestead, and uh, the way that I got to that is kind of a roundabout journey. I um, have worked most of my life in uh, industrial construction, and primarily in the energy sector. So both on the oil side and on the energy generation side. And right around 2008, 2009, I started noticing how fragile that energy infrastructure was in the United States. And, you know, I worked in a lot of power plants and it was literally, if, if one of my guys walked by and accidentally nudged the wrong uh, valve while he was walking through a unit, he could trip a thousand megawatt power plant and it would take a day to get that thing back up and running. And so on the generation side, you know, it's like, wow, it's all of these intricate systems that are working together. And if any piece of any one of those systems stops working, then you've got a problem. And that isn't even talking about the problem with the distribution and transmission and how, you know, the reality is, is today our, um, our infrastructure is, it's kind of a modern miracle, right? When you flip that light switch on, the light comes on. And when you flip it off, it goes off. And you can do that 100 times a minute, and it will work every single time. And if you think about the fact that the system has to take millions of households in the United States doing that same thing all the time. So those fluctuations of the draw going up and coming back down, and then all the losses from where it's generated to where it's actually used, it really is a modern miracle and it's super fragile. And so, you know, 14, 15 years ago, I started saying, hey, you know, I need to build a little bit more resiliency into my life. I had two young kids, young family. And and so my wife and I really started looking at how we go about doing that. In 2012, we bought an off-grid property, literally house plus generator. 
and um, we ended up kind of designing and installing our own solar system in the, through the end of 2012, beginning of 2013. And I had everyone I talked to was like, oh, man, how did you do that? You know, oh, I've got this hunting property that I want to do the same thing on. And so for the next several years, I was helping people. And then I realized, you know, there's enough demand in the DIY community for people that want to do this thing, but just don't really understand what to get and how to put it together. So that's when I launched, launched Hack My Solar. And that was 2017, so about six years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, I always, I always did more than just the solar side of it, you know? And, and so I had already thought long-term I wanted to transition this over to, you know, kind of like, you know, the, the tagline is off-grid solutions for an on-grid world. Right. And so things like rainwater catchment and groundwater management, gray water management, uh, composting black water systems, all these things were, you don't have to be attached to someone else's rules and regulations and permitting processes just to be able to live. So the idea was always to kind of go more towards the holistic homestead design type thing. And then last year I forgot to renew my registration for hack my solar and uh, someone jumped in and grabbed it. And I haven't <laughs> been able to even figure out who that is or how to get it back but I already own hackmyhomestead.com. So okay. the, the genesis for moving from, from just solar specifically over to the more holistic, you know, homestead utility uh, side was always in the works, but someone else kind of forced my hand <laughs> to do it faster. But and that's, so that's okay. Still, yeah. That's okay. Like that, that's kind of when it needs to happen though, is right. I found like along my journey, uh, I needed to get fired from the job I should have quit six months earlier. Like right. there, there were catalysts that happened because it needed to, and I wasn't willing to do it or I was putting it off or it wasn't the right time. And sometimes people just need to make it the right time. You know, sometimes someone else has to force your hand to, yeah, because, because it's always the right time, right? If you're prepared. Um, and so, <coughs> excuse me, before we came on, we were talking, today's actually my first day, my first work day, where Hack My Homestead is my full-time job. How's it uh, feel? Yeah, well, you know, it, I'm excited, but it's also kind of nervous excitement, right? So, <laughs> you know, I started my first job at 13, and since then, I've never left the job without having another job already set up, right? So it was right. always, even if I had like a week in between, I was closing down stuff on the old project and getting getting everything ready to go on the new one. And so, yeah, Friday was my last day with a J-O-B, right? And, um, and so I kind of took the weekend and, and relaxed a bit and, um, you know, just kind of thought about, okay, how do I want to move this forward? I've got, a, a, you know, I've got a lot of people that are, you know, willing to help me. You know, I've got a lot of people that are like, hey, um, you know, I want to work with you and things like that. So I'm not afraid of like being successful. It's just oh, right. <laughs> a lot of things that I want to do. So, and I got to make sure that I don't like get the analysis paralysis. Like, okay. What do I do first? It's like, well, you know what? Just do something, you know, start with something and you know, the community around you will kind of tell you the things that they're interested in and the things that they're not. And you focus on the things they're interested in. Yeah. We, that moment we, so we had a couple of big moments just like that in the last couple of years, in the last year or so. 
um, the day we took off for SRF and we hadn't sold our property in Minnesota and the moment we looked at each other and said, we're not coming back here. Like we can't bring the trailer back here because at that time we'll have to winterize it. And then we're not getting out till spring. And we had kind of a pending sale, but we had had just had one fall through uh, a couple weeks earlier and we said, screw it. We're going and we're not coming back. I knew the realtor. I knew that he could winterize it if he needed to. He dealt with cabin properties and all sorts of stuff. So he knew all that process and all the contacts. And we just left. And I was like, oh, wow, we we just kind of did that. And then when we got to we got to SRF, we, we traveled to Texas. The, the sale finally went through probably a month, two months after we said, screw it, we're leaving. And the day we sent the closing papers in and the and then the next day when the check cleared in our bank account i was like we don't have anything <laughs> like we just have the anchor room yeah we have nothing like we yeah. just literally have nowhere to go i mean we had plenty of places to go i i know plenty of places if in a phone call whether we have a trailer, we don't have a trailer, or whether we got a, a, you know, it's an emergency. I have plenty of places I can go, but I don't have any place I really can go right. <laughs> or need to. Or yeah. need to was the biggest thing. Uh, but that feeling of, holy shit, I just made one of the biggest changes I'm ever going to make in my life. And it feels great. <laughs> Scary. Scared shitless. But um, I think that is something that my wife and I actually thrive on is that how are we going to figure out? I don't know. Let's just do it. Uh, we did that when we moved to our farm. Neither one of us had ever been on a farm, let alone raised anything or built anything. Uh, and we did that for seven years nonstop. We figured it out. So I figured we can always figure it out. Um, no but congratulations on, on saying screw it and uh, and moving it moving into that um, self-directed. Uh, and I think what you were mentioning about being more self-sufficient with the energy, I think doing your own thing really gives you a lot of that, too. Absolutely. You know, having, um, you know, having a, a situation where you can actually manage the outflow, you know, so at our, our place in Tennessee, uh, which is completely off grid, um, our only quote unquote utility bill is propane, right? And we can manage how much propane we use because I can cook on a wood fire, right? Um, I've got a uh, solar thermal water collector, so I might not get the steaming shower, you know, with where I've got to turn the, the cold water on a little bit. But I can take a hot shower without having to use any propane. Now, I do like the burn your scalp off showers, right? So I've got the on-demand propane. But you just got one. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they're nice. Um, but you don't have to have that, you know. And so and you can make the deter your own decision on what you're going to use. We have a uh, propane refrigerator uh, on that property. Now, we're actually get, getting ready to flip that over. We're going to use a chest style refrigerator that's going to be 48 volt. That'll be our new full time refrigerator. And, uh, and and the reason for that is, is that for most of the year, we've got excess solar production there. So 
the idea of, okay, I don't have to do anything differently to use electricity in this refrigerator versus if my propane bottle goes out, I've got to go get that thing refilled in order to keep my food cold. So that's an outside input and it's not one that's super expensive or that we use a lot of, but it's still an outside input that costs something. Whereas our solar system is already there and installed and working, you know, we've yeah. already, we already have the capital outlay for that. And, you know, that freedom of, you know, I don't, I mean, you guys are experiencing that, you know, with the, with the travel trailer where you're self-sufficient, it's like, I don't have to, you know, you can pick up where, what you've got and you can go somewhere else. And as long as you can go get fresh water somewhere, or at least water fresh enough that you can treat, yep. you're good to go. Well, you know? and that's, that was our, that was our kind of mindset. I, I heard you talking about stacking, like, okay, I have a propane bill, but I don't need it. Um, when we sat in Texas for four months, we sat in an old watermelon field. Um, we didn't have hookup for sure. No, uh, no water, no sewer, no electric, uh, but we had our solar. We had a generator that runs on propane or gas, and we have a wood stove in, in the trailer. We have a composting toilet and excess um, gray water because we, we combined our gray and black um, mm -hmm. because we don't need black. But the watermelon field in Texas, it was okay for us to drink. And it's basically urine and, and, um, and dish soap. And our dish soap is all natural. We went to a thing. We're very, we were very environmentally conscious. In case we had to dump our gray water, we didn't want to dump chemicals. We wanted to be right. insured. Even if, even if the, the regulations, I know what I'm dumping. And I know the, the cost of what it's going to do. Um, and, and just going, all right, well, we can heat with propane if we run out of wood or we can heat with wood if we run out of propane, having those, those options. And then where you were talking about some cost money, some cost effort, some are upfront, some are behind, like putting the solar system was very, it was expensive, obviously. Uh, but I haven't had to pay for electricity if I don't want to. Right might have to throttle what I use. I can't run my big old air conditioner on my solar, but I can run it on my generator. Mm -hmm. So yeah, stacking those and having the options to choose money over, you know, sweat equity as in just processing wood is such a great way to go. Right. And you guys have dogs too, don't you? Yeah, we have three St. Bernards. So, you know, there's, so, there's, there is a such thing as a three dog night. Oh, there you sure know. is. There sure is. And <laughs> the problem with them is they want it cold. They want right. it cold. Um, it gets over 80 and we're running into that. And like we figured that we have tried to do everything that we want to do as hard as possible. Mm -hmm. And then it got easier. <laughs> like we moved to a farm and neither of us knew how to farm. And we bought 35 acres to start with. And oh, you know, that's right. like this just is a little bit of management there no equipment no four-wheeler no tractor like we literally had a push lawnmower when we moved there and halfway through the lawn the first time we ordered a riding lawnmower nice <laughs> and then we did everything for two years with a cart pulling a cart and buckets of water and that and then we finally bought a couple four-wheelers uh, but we always wanted to be able to do everything by hand if we needed to right like, if the four wheeler breaks down, I don't want to go, Oh shit, I can't do chores. Screw that. I got to be able to take care of the animals. 
so we did this with the dogs and we're sitting here we didn't have the dogs when we decided we didn't like it was long after we had them but we wanted to do it so bad we just made it work but doing it without three saint bernards will be like easy yeah each one consumes more water than we do on a daily basis so right there that that makes things insane but no doubt Anyway, uh, I asked you before, and I want to kind of hit it up front because I don't want to forget at the end or run out of time, but you are actually ending a Kickstarter tomorrow if someone is actually listening to this live. So I'm going to get a few live views, but more of it is after the fact. So we can talk in the future about how your Kickstarter did and how you think it ended up 10 days from now, if you'd like. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that'll be interesting. So my guess is that when this airs, we will just be breaching $13,000. Our original funding goal was $3,500. And what that $3,500 was meant to do was to allow us to produce a documentary is not the best word, like a, like a how to short film uh, on solar water pumping. And so what we're talking about is if you have a property and you've got water in one place and you want to get it to another place, but you don't have or would like to be able to have an alternative to a standard grid tied high horsepower 240 volt pump, this Kickstarter is going to teach you how to do that. And it's going to cover several things. So. It's going to cover all all of the te- we're going to get a bunch of different pumps and several different styles of solar panels and several different linear current boosters. We're going to test all of these things, all 96 different combinations of pumps. Oh, wow. um, we're going to test them and we're going to find out at different uh, head pressures what kind of flow rate you get um, when they stop working. Right. So a pump might be rated for you know, 43 PSI, which is equivalent to about a hundred vertical foot of head. And, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to work at 150. Right. And then the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to move water long distances horizontally. And so that's something that none of the pump manufacturers tell you, we're going to have a thousand feet of garden hose and we're going to have a thousand feet of poly tubing. And we're going to test multiple uh, length and height combinations and provide all the test results for that. So the idea being that let's say you've got a property. So in Tennessee, we have a lot of what we call haulers. And in a lot of those haulers, there's seasonal water that runs through the bottom of it. Right. And so if I've got a property with a seasonal water flow that I can put a little small dam in and dam up enough water to where I, I can put a pump there um, and connect that to a solar panel, then uh, let's say I've got to pump water up 50 feet vertically and 500 feet horizontally to get to my travel trailer, for example. Um, this will teach you how to consider the different calculations for figuring out what you actually need. And then you pair that with the test results that we're going to provide and all of a sudden, you've got something that re- retail might cost you $1,500, $3,500. You can go select the correct components and put this thing together for two, three, $400. Right. 
Right. And this is going to be both like surface water as well as well water. So we've got several well pumps that we're going to be testing. And these are well pumps where you literally need a or maybe two solar panels, a linear current booster if there's not one built into the pump, and then the pump itself and then pipe, right? And so, you know, I talked to a lot of people. And unfortunately, I talked to a lot of people after they've spent thousands of dollars to buy one of these systems and they want my help. Okay, I don't really know how it goes together. And I help them. Um, but I really wish that they would have reached out to me before they made that purchase, because if I get you a system where you've got, um, you know, easily accessible components that are easily replaceable, if any one of them goes wrong versus, you know, I'm not going to name any brand names, but there's a $3,500 pump on the market right now. Uh, that's a deep well pump that you can buy and they've got all kinds of videos on how to install it yourself. But if any one of the components in that system goes out, you have to replace the entire thing, which means you've got to pull uh, you've got to pull your pump up however deep it is. You know, 200 feet down the ground, you got to pull that up. That is a huge job. And so (laughs) imagine having a pump and a controller. And if the controller goes out, you just go on Amazon and buy another hundred dollar controller, wire it in where the other one was and you're working again. Right. So those are the kind of things we're going to cover. We hit a stretch goal here recently. Where we're going to be adding a ramp pump. So I'll actually build a ramp pump. Again, go through all the calculations on if you have this and you want that, this is how you know that, you know, this is what you're going to get up here 50 feet up. Um, we're going to build one. We're going to teach everyone how those work. Uh, we've got a stretch goal that, that by the time this airs, I think we will have hit where we're going to actually going to add air pumps. So you wouldn't add it. You wouldn't add an air pump to a deep well pump, but a shallow well pump, or let's say I've got uh, water from a rainwater collection system sitting in a in a cistern. I want to move it, uh, you know, a, a, a distance uh, with gravity, but I need to get it up to where the gravity starts to work first. Right. Um, I can take that really cheap pump and combine it with a really cheap air pump and get performance of a pump that's five or six times the cost. And so we've got that. Uh, we've got another stretch goal where we're going to add uh, a dank off uh, slow pump, which is a thousand dollar pump. This, the audience for this is not typically the type of audience that's going to go out and spend a thousand dollars on a pump if they don't have to. But I was getting a lot of people asking about the dank off pumps. So that's one of the stretch goals. We're going to get one of those into the system and compare it to a pump that cost a hundred dollars. Well, right. Even even if there is just a, is it worth it comparison? Exactly. Um, right. it's, it's nice to be able to fund that, to be able to mess around with it and compare it. Like yep. I'm not dropping okay. a K to go, oh, hey, let's compare it to this really expensive one that nobody's going to buy that's going to be looking at this video. But man, if you can fund it and you can show people it is worth it or or it isn't. Like right. you, you can't, you don't really go into it with a preset, but the data is the data. The data is the data. Exactly. Exactly. And if there's a pump that's garbage, you will know we're going to, we're going to talk about it. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's the nice part about doing it the way you're doing it and having that funded. Like I'm not, I'm not taking my paycheck to buy a pump and then, then tell you it sucks. And, and I'm not going to be able to return it. Um, I'm going to be able to, now that it's paid for, examine it like go in why does it suck like can we put a different inlet fitting on this and it works better because we knock right. down the inlet flow 
maybe that's something down the road that you just, you know, comes up to where if uh, I was spending my money on it and I'm on a limited budget and it doesn't work, I return it. Like I get my money back uh, right. where you're going to be able to have now a, a stock set of things that you can mess around with after the fact. Yeah, we can take apart. We can we can run them until they break on purpose and right. then take them apart and find out the exact thing that caused the failure. Uh, all of those things. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. And and because we're not, you know, we're not funding this on the back of the pump manufacturers. There's the, the only incentive is to get the correct information out in a in a format that's most useful to the people that are going to end up with the end product. Yep. There's no uh, there's no company name on the on the video where you uh, may want to make sure they're happy. <laughs> right. Exactly right. Exactly right. You're talking about the pumps and it, it's funny. So I'm working with Tim um, on his property down here in Tennessee, the tool man. And he um, he's got a similar similar situation there that, that we're kind of we're brainstorming. We're in the very infancy of getting anything planned out there. But he's got um, I think it might be a seep might be a spring if we follow it far enough but you know you got the little pockets of water and i'm and i'm already on the let's use float float valves and solar to fill a tote and then do something with it because you yep. couldn't run it constantly it's just not running fast enough but with a couple of float switches on a on a tote with uh with a little pump you could definitely fill a tote over time right. but then your information is going to be invaluable to just look at um, a spec sheet and say, well, this is where it is and this is where I want it to go. Exactly. Like, and, quoting and, out things like that is, it, it makes here's it the pressure that we want, right? That's the other side of it is right. we can actually say, okay, we want to deliver 30 PSI water at this flow rate, right? So I can give you 30 PSI at a gallon per minute with this pump. But if I want five gallons per minute, I need this other pump. You know, right, and right. if I use this other pump, then maybe I need to go from the 15 amp linear current booster to the 25 amp linear current booster and pair it with this solar panel instead of that solar panel. I've got a solar panel that I got last year and it, it was the bottom panel on the pallet. So it's completely I mean, I'm I'm not talking about cracked. I'm talking about the entire sheet is spider webbed, And we're going to test that. We're going to put that on a pump and we're going to see what kind of generation we get compared to the brand new panel. Uh, we've got a bifacial panel that we're going to be testing as part of this. Uh, we've got a couple older panels. I've got a panel that got hit with a uh, rock from a lawnmower, you know, that just has a little scratch in it. And so, you know, we're going to do a lot of different things because I think people will be surprised at how well, uh, quote unquote garbage solar panels will actually produce in this type of environment, right? We're talking about if I can pump five gallons uh, a minute for two hours of the day, then that's 600 gallons, right? you know? And as long as I have a source that will provide that where I'm not sucking a bunch of crap up into my pump, um, then, I mean, imagine what you could do with 600 free gallons of water per day. Right. Same thing with the well pump. So, you know, we think about a well pump as something that we use when we need water. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's a lot of energy required to get, uh, you know, a 150 foot column of water pushed up through your piping and then to pressurize your system. But imagine if I just had a solar panel and an eighty dollar pump in, in my well casing and I'm getting 
80, 90, 100, maybe 200 gallons of water a day out of that, that's nothing. That's not taxing the well at all, right? I'm not drawing down the aquifer at that point, <laughs> right? right. Um, but imagine having that much excess water and doing, you know, drip irrigation with it or doing aquaponics with it or using it to help dilute, um, you know, your gray water. If you've got a gray water system and now I'm adding, I'm constantly adding fresh water to that, uh, which keeps the system alive and keeps the system from having to be changed out as often, you know, to your media. So all of these things, I mean, or you might be a rancher with 5,000 acres and you're moving cattle across this and the Salatin method. And it's like, well, I've got a couple places where I can get water and a couple more places where I can store water. And I want a way to easily be able to move this around my property as I'm moving my cattle. This is going to be the way to do it. You know, it's, it's, having the fewest amount of moving parts and understanding the system well enough to say, okay, well, if, if this thing stops working, you know, in a pinch, I can literally put a $30 solar powered waterfall pump on this and pump 1500 gallons over here to, to my cat, you know? Well, and that's, that's what I, that's you're, you're talking getting 80 gallons of water a day just by having a solar panel and a tank uh, basically and a pump. And I'm looking at it going, I have a tank that holds like 45 gallons of water. And I go through that every two days, three days. If I could have it just setting, and obviously we're moving, so set up and all of that. But if I was to put this camper somewhere permanently and buy a new one, which is an end goal eventually. But having something like that, that fills my, fills my tank daily or every other day or whatever I can manage... And like we were talking earlier, as long as I can find water that's close enough to be treated, because uh, we treat all our drinking water regardless, actually all our water. Um, but having that and not having to search for um, fresh water would be phenomenal. And right. at 80 gallons a day, like you're talking five gallons a minute for an hour. And I'm like, I just need 40 gallons every other day. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and in a system like that, if you wanted to automate it, you know, it's literally as easy as saying, OK, I'm going to pump into this tank and then the overflow is just going to run right back to where it came from. Oh, you yeah, know, right back down. So, now, I don't even have to be on the I don't have to flip a switch. There's no right. float switch involved. It just works when the sun's out. And then if the tank's already full, then the excess just runs right back to the source. Right. Because the sun or comes out regardless. Yeah. It's not that you're not worried about cloudy days, sunny days, running batteries because it's just on off when the sun comes out. Love yep. it. Yeah, it's it's a great thing. I hear you talking a lot like we think very similarly. And I think it's mine was um, decades of um, troubleshooting tech stuff, um, repairing uh, maintenance tech stuff. Yours is, seems to be design in, uh, in construction and, and systems and that. But I hear you talking a lot of components and I was very, when I did my trailer and, and did the solar system, I was like, okay, I could figure this all out. I, like, I know I could, um, it'll take me three years because I need to know everything and I need to know everything I don't need as well as everything I do need and why, <laughs> what the difference is. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wasn't going on Arizona wind and solar and going, Oh, I want this, 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 and this let's do it. Or any of their prepackaged screw that. Uh, I have to build it. 
uh, eventually I ended up finding someone who designs municipal systems. And he laughed at me when I gave him a, a price, what I was looking to spend and the size of the system I need, because he's doing it for like cities. And, yeah. um, but he helped me design a system. He did it as a favor. He doesn't actually do it. Uh, but man, talk about a robust, um, expandable component driven system. Like I took an e-panel, a blank e-panel from Midnight Solar and just built it um, with the components he ordered. So I had the electrical knowledge to do it. I didn't have the the solar, the converter, the batteries, all that knowledge. But with his how-to, I was able to just wire it up. Right. Um, but when I hear you say, if this component goes out, it's this just this little piece. Um, man, the redundancies that I can bypass and replace component by system that he built in just naturally. And I didn't realize it till after looking at it, invaluable. Uh, right. So someone that's ever, ever wondering about the value of consulting with someone like you on any sort of project, it, it's, it's, it's worth the money over and over and over again. And I've experienced that just by it happening. Right. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, most of the folks that I work with are the DIY. I want to buy the components. I just want to make sure that I'm getting the right stuff. And I don't want to be, you know, I don't want it to be August 2nd and it's 98 degrees outside and I don't quite have enough batteries to keep my AC on through the night, you know. And but I also I mean, I'm doing a design with a guy in Arizona right now where his system will be it will approach a half a million dollars by the time it's fully complete. And so, um, you know, he has a, a, an initial system that's going in with his primary build uh, and he's building like a massive barn dominium, right? Yeah. So the first phase of this system gets the shell taken care of. And then phase two is the build out. And so, you know, I mean, he's going to have 11 bedrooms in this thing and they're each going to have their own mini split head, right? Oh, yeah. And so, um, and, and we're talking about Arizona, right? We're talking about the desert. And so, you know, there's a massive build out there. Uh, he's a contractor. So the next thing he's going to do is he's going to put in a shop. And so he wants to be able to, for the shop to be its own system, but also for it to interact with the house system in both directions. And then he's going to put in a 40,000 gallon pool and he wants pool heater, you know, water heaters for the pool. And, you know, it's going to be a really, really cool system and completely off grid. So when I first started talking to him, I'm like, you realize the kind of budget we're talking about for what you want to do? And he said, look, it's going to cost me $150,000 just to get power to the property. And based on my usage, my power bill will be $4,000 a month at today's rates. And I know today's rates aren't going to be what the rates are in five, 10 years. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but from 21 to 22, the average electricity cost in the United States went up by 15 percent. Yeah. You know, we don't know what the number is going to be for this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not close to that again. And so well, we, got, we got a lot of listeners in Canada. It seems like in Canada, it's even worse. Right. Like uh, I, I've seen just rumblings. Nobody, nobody really just coming out and saying it, but I've seen the holy shit. Um, both insurance and electricity, but electricity is one that I have noticed, especially in Canada. Um, right, it seems right. to be a little bit higher, but yeah, go on. And like this, this system sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah. So, and it really is. So he's going to have 
about half of his panels are going to be uh, roof mounted on top of this massive barn dominium. Uh, and then he's also going to have a, a ground mount. And the ground mount is almost exclusively exclusively going to be for summer production, right? So there, obviously, the vast majority of his annual usage is going to be air conditioning. And so those panels will almost be flat. Like they'll almost be pointing directly straight up because they're for summer production. And so, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things that we had to do, and this is something that I do on all projects, but you can imagine on this project, it was really crazy, is I take a list of appliances and I, I take literally all 8,760 hours in a year and I map out and graph out what the demand will be every single hour. And the reason why I do that is someone might come to me. I was talking to a guy last night in California and his very small property that he has a greenhouse on and a bunch of irrigation, like for him, freezers and irrigation is his primary uh, energy draw. And so I'm like, okay, well, great. Irrigation is easy because you can do that in the middle of the day. But you want to keep your food cold pretty much 24-7. You don't want to go out here and shoot an elk and then lose it because your refrigerator ends up being or your freezer ends up going up to 45 degrees overnight. And so um, in addition, so anyways, we figured that he's going to need about 6 million watts of, of, of demand in a year. But in order to cover the batteries so that he's got power overnight and to order to cover his peak use in, in the summer, we're going to have to design a system that's capable of generating closer to 10 million watts over the course of the year. And so it, we did the same thing with this guy in Arizona. And so, you know, you've, I've got all of these different things and, and a lot of it's kind of logic based, right? So I'm assuming that he's, you know, in the summer, he's getting up at six and making breakfast. Right. You know, and I'm assuming that lunch is around noon and I'm assuming dinner is around six. And so, but those are all the things I've got to figure out because, you know, if they have dinner at eight instead of six, well, we have no solar production most of the year by 8 p.m., even in Arizona. So now we're running off of batteries. Right. And so it, you, the, the analysis that you have to do to make sure that you're putting a system in for someone that's going to do everything that they want. And part of our conversation, you know, with all these guys is, OK, we can we can do this so that solar and batteries is 100 percent. Or we can do this so that, you know, that you're going to have to run your generator 500 hours a year in these specific times in order to, you know, prevent from having to put in an entire another battery bank in. Right. Right. Well, and this this conversation is very similar. And it, it's weird that uh, my guy didn't do this for a living. Like he didn't consult. He he basically um, got the specs from a municipal contract and and put the equipment in. Mm -hmm. uh, but he said, I, I know enough. He was an electrical engineer. Like I know enough to, to do all the back math. Um, but these questions that you were you were talking about. He said, well, do you want to run your air on this? Like what kind of air conditioner you have? I said, no. I don't like I understand that if I need to run my air conditioner, I will be running my generator. I have that taken <laughs> care of on my own. Um, I put a soft start in. I run my propane. I bought the biggest generator that fit well. I bought a 2200. And with the soft start and the propane conversion, it's fantastic. Uh, the Honda runs great. Um, but he now, are you guys using the roof mounted AC? OK, yeah. 
Yep. And and when that uh, dies, which it will soon, um, we're going to head to a mini split, which is mm-hmm. just, it's, yeah. I saw you you talked about that in Tim's group, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's the way you got to go. Um, but anyway, sure, so with sure. that out of the equation, well, I was like, well, what if I spend extra on batteries? Like, I never even... I never even took into the account the balance between the production and the storage mm-hmm. that there's no, there's no use in buying batteries that you're never going to be able to fill. And if you don't have enough batteries, it doesn't matter if you buy extra panels, it just doesn't matter. Right. Um, and, and really having him explain that to me okay. and the yeah. balance that has to be there was great. And then the other side of that equation is sometimes you just say, Hey, this is the most amount I'm going to spend. And I understand going in that the system's not going to be completely optimized, but I, but my primary goal is I've got this budget to work with. So, right. you know, the system that we did during the LFTN workshop, um, we have a lot more panels than we have battery to store that energy. But the use case there was I've got a budget that I want to stay under. Yep. And if the, if the grid goes down in my area, um, for any reason, I want to be able to pump water, right? Because this system is tied into their well pump uh, on that property. And so the house has no power, but I can still pump water up. Um, and that was the primary use case. And the limiting factor for that deal was, uh, the budget, budget. you know, if I were designing well, can that, can that be, did you design that to be installed as budget as, as funds become available? Or was that just a design? Because that's always always the option too. Is this open-ended or is this like one and done? Like mine was, I'm not going to leave room. Well, I did. I shouldn't say that. I wired it in for kicker panels. If I want to buy two kicker panels, I already have the pre-wires. I just got to put the ends on them. Um, But if like, I'm not adding batteries to the system. I I can't add more than kicker panels because I don't have any room to put them on the roof. Like it, so this design was easy for him. It didn't have to lend itself to more or less. Um, But that's always an option in like a a permanent system uh, that will be expanded or changed. So that system, um, what we did, and I asked, I asked Nicole, I said, are you ever going to run anything more than the cabin and the well pump off of this system? And the answer was no. <laughs> so that, that led us to, okay, this is the inverter we're going to use. And if we want it, if we want to expand the system, we literally have to buy another inverter, another entire inverter uh, to expand that system. But that system can be expanded on both the PV side and on the battery bank side. So she won't be able to run more stuff off of it, but she can absolutely generate more energy and store more energy with the components that are in place there. As a matter of fact, the solar array that we put on that system is run through a disconnect switch and there's an entire like other half of the disconnect switch. So we could literally double the size of her solar array and quadruple the size of her battery bank with just the cost of batteries and um, solar panels. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Like that was, that was um, my guy's main concern was, okay, so you're going to not going to be happy. Well, he was, he was, he was 
satisfied that we're going to be happy with what we got. Like, because I told him I'll be happy. <laughs> like, this is, it is what it is. This is a brand new experiment for me. He said, well, I want you to wire these in. For the cost of what was a what they're called the the dim breakers the 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 sim the super thin breakers he said for yep. the cost of that and the excess wire you're going to have because we're going to order a spool um you can be set up to add two panels if you want right he said just do that for me would you <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. he's like he didn't want me emailing him out of the blue going what the hell dude i can't even fill up my batteries right right so we haven't found the need. Um, I'm sure when we, and this was also um, designed to be removed uh, and put somewhere else. Like whether mm -hmm. that's um, when we put this permanently, we can take the panels off and put them out um, to gain exposure and keep the trailer in the shade. Or I could take this all out and put it on a small cabin if I wanted. Uh, I didn't go with the mobile ready components. I went with um, higher grade industrial. So I think... I think that decision made sense for me spending the extra money to have that ability to use it again. Right. Solar's right. going to way outlast my trailer. <laughs> what did you, uh, what did you use to mount those to the roof? Okay. I think I might've lost it for a second. Yeah. What did you use to mount those to the roof? Um, he suggested it was a, um, a rail and tie down system. I, I would have to look up the name brand of it, but it's what he actually uses in Colorado for high wind shear. Um, okay. and then we mounted them with the rails parallel to the wind. So the, the lift is there, but, um, I anchored them. I can't remember the system, but it had a, a super long fine threaded screw that locked down the panels to a rail system that I installed on the roof. I, I would was have it, to look up. That. Was it Iron was that, Ridge? Does that sound familiar? Iron Ridge? No, I got them through. I think they came through Arizona wind and solar. But, um, well, that's why I was asking. Cause that that's a uh, Tamarack and, and um, Iron Ridge are the two big ones from um, Northern Arizona wind and solar. As a matter of fact, uh, Iron Ridge are the ones that I typically use when I'm doing that, that type of system. It, it could be. It, it very well could be. His Basically, after we walked through the system, he sent me a, a punch list to order. So mm -hmm. as far as names and stuff, and that's a people have been bugging me to go and walk through my system. And since it was two and a half years ago, I think that I installed it and I haven't really other than run it, looked at it. Yeah. I have to refresh everything. Like I have to go through and read all our emails back and forth because we went through multiple designs um originally we we're gonna go with an outback um um it was a board it was pre-wired all up uh and then they weren't going to my warranty wasn't going to be covered if i put it in a trailer right um, and so we dug into that and then we got hung up on some neutral to ground bond switching mm -hmm. um and so he did a custom layout for that and said well if i'm going to do this with a like a transfer switch and all this uh, why don't we just have you, you're okay with wiring an e-panel. So we basically made our own board and used a midnight solar charge controller. Um, and it's worked great. It's, I mean, there's some kind of, there's some wonky settings that I have to mess around with just because it isn't designed for what I actually need. Right. Um, but we make it work. We make it work. Um, so when you're running off of shore power, 
you've got to remove the neutral ground bond in the system that you otherwise have when you're running off a of solar or generator. Yep. Cause it's got supposed it. to be what the clip, the bond needs to be the closest interaction between the source and the, and where it enters the system. Right. So it should be at a campground. It should be at their panel. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. So he basically put a transfer switch in that um, when I flip it to generator, it bonds them. When I flip it to shore power, it breaks that neutral. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. He's like, I was just sitting here one night and I was like, Oh, we could do it like this. Yeah. <laughs> so if you know the end goal, like the actual executing, it's pretty easy. <laughs> well, and then, and then him explaining, he's like, it's going to cost you like an extra 70, 80 bucks for the box and the wire. He's like, he's like, and this is here, here's the shit. He's like, theoretically this shit could happen he's like and it's one in a hundred million shot but theoretically it could and you're also theoretically um counting on the person that you're plugging into their power to be right but we should do it yeah yeah i was like okay we'll do it <laughs> yeah so so the um the system that i put in in uh, my daughter's schoolie is a uh, it's actually got a relay inside that manages okay. that. It kind of it senses whether or not there's a bond upstream, and if there is, it opens up that connection. And if there isn't, then which will be ninety percent of the time for her, it actually closes that. So similar situation. He uh, he 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 went down that road, and he's like, "Do you mind flipping back and forth? It'll be a lot. It'll be cheaper, and it'll just wire in." I was like, eh, "Okay, perfect." Yeah. <laughs> this movement so, right here i can handle yeah yeah well and yeah it's um we so we have two everybody always asks us why we have two um cables one for the generator one for the one for the um, shore power mm -hmm. and i was like well this is the reason and i'm like i always remember to use the transfer switch because i can never remember which cable is which so i like pull it out and then i trace it and have Corey inside i'm like okay where does that one go you know, a little, little bit of electrical tape might help with that situation. Well, then she put labels. She got sick of doing it. She oh, put labels label. on the okay. outside of the ports. <laughs> gotcha. After about the fifth time. But, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I It was fun to learn about, and I need to go back in and dive more into it. Um, it's a, it's it's definitely interesting. It's a, it's a whole different world. I thought, you know, power generation, storage usage should be pretty easy. Um, but there, there is a lot of intricacies for sure. And, yeah. um, having someone to guide you, like, it's great. It's great. No doubt. So, so you mentioned Schooly. How is that going? So I saw you in, when was LFTN was in April, end of April. Sorry. <laughs> Starlink internet. Gotta love it. Oh yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. No, that was the end of April. End of April. And you were, you were almost done, I believe is what you were saying. You were, you still yeah, had a little bit to do. Almost done. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you got some stuff going on. So yeah, that's right. That's right. I spent the last month kind of in a month long um, exit from the, from the JLB. So there's a lot to be done there. Um, my daughter was, you know, the one that that's going to live in the schoolie was graduating. So she graduated at the end of May. So pretty much most of May was around, you know, graduation stuff and 
logistics of all different family members and friends coming into town for that. And then June was mainly, you know, I've got, I had to do a couple of road trips for, for work. And so um, we've got a little bit of progress done since I saw you, but we're, it's kind of one of those things where we've got everything we need to button it up. And it's like all laying next to the spot where it goes. We just have to, but the way that we're doing it, like we have to do, so specifically, I mentioned Iron Ridge uh, rails. I've got to get the Iron Ridge rails on the roof. But in order to do that, I've got to cut uh, some aluminum bar stock because I've got to make a flat uh, thing match a curved roof. Uh, so today, as a matter of fact, we're going to be cutting the bar stock and epoxying it to the L brackets. Okay. Which, And then by the end of the day today, we should be able to get those rails in. Once the rails are in, then we can finish the ceiling in the back half of the bus. And then once the ceiling is done in the back half of the bus, we can finish the walls on the back half of the bus. <laughs> it, is, it is definitely done, a process, isn't it? Yeah. Like it has to be done in order. Otherwise, it's going to be a nightmare. Right, right. So once the walls are done, then we can do the floor. So it's it's one of those, um, uh, you know, cart before the horse type of things. But we're, we're, we're really close. And the reality is she could live in it right now. She'd have to be plugged in somewhere, uh, but she could live in it right now. You know, she's got some exposed insulation and stuff, but like, you know, we, there's no demand for this. But it, in the event that she needed to move in it for whatever reason, it's livable right now. Um, but yeah, yeah she you, actually, you said she graduated in May. Man, I can remember when I graduated. It's July. I'd have been gone already. Like I'd have figured out. I it, plug in. I'll find somewhere to plug in. I'll finish this shit, Dad. Just give me instructions. I'm gone. Yep. <laughs> yeah, she sure. So her first uh, big trip is going to be this winter. Okay. Um, she's going to take it out to North Carolina to the uh, ski resort areas out there, and uh, she's going to work. Uh, you know, that do seasonal work because they pay per diem. So she'll get more per diem than it costs her to, to live on. So she will to bank that as well as her wages and then ski on her free time, which she loves to do. And then she's going to have to figure out what she's going to do next spring. But like next summer, she's talking about being a uh, whitewater rafting guide just a little nice. bit down the mountains uh, in North Carolina. So she's kind of already looking at that nomadic, you know, moving around, going where, and that was the whole point behind building the schoolie in the first place, which I know you guys understand is, Hey, if I want to go somewhere and check something out, I just want to go and do that. I don't want to be tied down to a mortgage or a job or anything else like that. You know, if I have an opportunity to go do something, I want to do it. We've got a family friend that runs a, literally runs a circus in uh, the Boston area. And they're like, Oh yeah, you can come up here. You can park the bus you know, on the fairgrounds, you'll have all the hookups that you need. And then right. you can work at the circus. She's like, that sounds cool. I might do that next year, you know? And so um, I, I kind of turned 18 and went straight into construction and was locked in. And, and, um, and, and I think I've, I've convinced her that when you're young and you don't have any obligations, uh, don't create a bunch of obligations for yourself, go explore and do things and experience things. And so she's kind of dived into that. I think my younger daughter is just going to go straight to college and to a job because that's what she wants to do. But uh, but my younger daughter so, is like, no, I want to see what the world's about, man. 
so did you um, introduce her to the idea of the per diem stacking? Because I know your past construction um, and and power plant, and you've probably dealt with a lot of road crews that have um, been doing construction. And so have I, like the startup. I mentioned I, uh, before the show, I worked for a startup, but. I may have lost you again. Internet internet stuff happening i'm familiar with the starlink uh <laughs> the satellite moving around having to figure that out elon elon doesn't want me to talk to you, <laughs> you story, but, um there's one of, there's one leaf and when that satellite moves behind the leaf <laughs> yeah pretty much but we so we had vendors in from oregon and the guy that i worked very very closely with um said yeah i i just bought my wife uh, a new house with my per diem for the last two years mm -hmm. because they didn't pay their hotel and he he brought all his own food he did all that and it just went into an account and he traveled for two years straight and he just threw it in an account and didn't touch it because he was getting paid more than he needed to begin with right. let alone um and the amount of people that i saw him teach that and they come back and say I just bought my my kid a brand new bedroom set. I just did this with my per diem. Like yep. they all figured it out. Don't go drinking every night. Don't like it's part of your wage. Put it in the bank like you would your wage. And yeah. when and I heard you free, that's the key on that piece of it, right? Yeah, exactly. So and, if I'm uh, negotiating a deal with someone, it's like, well, if I can get an extra 20 bucks a day in per diem, that's better than a two dollars more an hour in wages because those $2 turn into a dollar 60 by the time I get done paying taxes and everything. So and it's a separate check. That was uh, what I always liked about it when I would go out of town for training or stay out for a build was it came separate and I knew it. And it was like you said, the tax free, it could go directed into a different account, never see it, never think about it. Oh, well, I had to buy lunch while I was there. Well, no shit. I had to buy lunch when I was at my normal job. Right. Um, and now I'm getting paid to buy lunch too. So my yeah. first big outage, I was 18 years old. Um, it was at a paper mill in Tennessee and, uh, we got up there. I rode with my friend. So I just threw a little gas money in and rode with him. We went up together and when we got there, I bought a loaf of bread and a pack of Kraft singles, uh, <laughs> cheese. I didn't even buy mayonnaise. I ate cheese sandwiches that entire outage. Um, now, you know, when we like finished the major builds, they brought in, had a pizza party, you know, and there was a couple of days where like, like the secretary that worked in the office would bring in like a crock pot full of stuff. So I didn't eat nothing. I didn't eat anything but cheese sandwiches and free lunches for a month. And when I got back home, I actually bought my first car that wasn't a piece of junk. Like my first three cars were $500 junkers. My first card that wasn't, I literally bought with that saved up per diem money. And so we, her and I never actually had that conversation, but I think just hearing stories over the years, like she put two and two together, that oh, okay, hold on. If I do, if I do seasonal work, that's remote, they're going to pay me extra tax-free money uh, to cover my living expenses. So if I can manage those expenses down, that's money straight into my pocket. She's going to do great. She's yeah. going to, she'll do this for the next 40 years and she'll be like 40 years from now. She'll be like, well, I don't have to do anything else anymore. Yep. Yep. 
I got a million dollars worth of, worth of saved per diem money in my bank account or my four hundred one k or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> or, exactly. you know, Roth IRA if she's smart. Right, right. So we're at about an hour. Um, you want to throw out there what you got going on? People are interested. I know. You, I know you just quit the job, so I'm sure you got some extra time for uh, some new clients. Um, yeah. If, if somebody's looking for work from Sean Mills, what are they going to get? So they're going to get whatever they need, right? They're going to get someone who's going to come to their problem with a logical, uh, thoughtful, step-based approach to solving whatever that problem is. And so whether it's water, whether it's water catchment, whether it's groundwater management, gray water, whether it's solar, off-grid, I don't do grid-tied stuff. Here's what I do. If someone's got a grid tied system that they've gotten a quote for and they want someone to call, you know, to, to walk them through, what do I have? What am I getting? Can you read my contract for me? Help me understand what I'm about to sign. What are my problems? How should I go back and negotiate with this guy? I do that as well. But I don't design grid tied systems because there's just too many different variables in terms of local power companies, state regulations, you know, depending on where you are in the United States right now, there's four different national electric codes that are in place. And each one of them has a different set of regs for grid tied solar applications. And so, like I said, I will help someone that's going to do a grid type system, understand the quote that they've gotten and make sure that they're getting a good deal. And, but from a design standpoint, I do soup the nuts. You can come to me with your power bill and say, we're going to do all of these things off grid or with a list of appliances. And I do the entire design, um, you know, it, it up to and including saying if you load shift a little bit, like if you do these things in the middle of the day versus the end of day, you can cut a battery and three solar panels out of your initial build. Um, so those are the kind of things that that I work with people on. Um, the way you find me is you pretty much search, search Hack My Homestead anywhere. I've got Instagram. I've got a podcast uh, you can find on all of the major podcast feeds. I'm on Fountain. Um, I'm on Apple and Spotify and all of those. I think I just recorded like episode 52. So I've got some information there that's that's useful. Most of my podcast stuff is is talking about the kind of foundational knowledge around uh, solar solar photovoltaics with a little bit of stuff around our personal journey, like we homestead, uh, homeschooled our girls, different problems that we ran into on the homestead and how we fixed them uh, or different projects that I'm working on. I'll talk a little bit about that. I'm kind of just getting the YouTube channel up and going. Um, so, you know, there's going to be content there, but there's not really much, you know, right now. Uh, by the time this actual uh, airs on on your um, channel, I think that, you know, maybe I'll have a little bit more stuff going on there really focused on that Kickstarter right now. So if you go search for solar water pumping on kickstarter.com, um, you know, we're the, it's, we're funded. So it's happening. It's just right now figuring out how much extra stuff we're doing. Does, on that, that. does that live on Kickstarter after the funding date, or is that going to end up moving to your stuff? I have, I've never run one. I don't know necessarily how they work. So, yeah. So since what we're doing is we're delivering both a digital product and a movie, what'll happen is all of the extra stuff um, will be delivered like right after the, the project is funded. So that's July 14th. So on July 15th, 
anyone that has funded the program gets all of the digital assets that okay. uh, that go along with it. And there's five hundred dollars worth of value you get at the seventy dollar level. I mean, it's really we've done a good job. I, I was digging into your stuff, and I was like, man, yes, yeah. yeah. So so um, so you'll get all of that immediately, and then we will start filming. Uh, we, from filming, we go into editing, and then I've already got someone lined up from the community to do the audio mastering. And so the delivery date for the actual um, the actual end product is late August. So that'll go out probably like the third week of August uh, and that'll be the final product. And so some people will have uh, access to stream that. Some people will have access to download it. And then other people are actually going to be sending a thumb drive with a large and a small version of it. So people like you that are on um on satellite internet, it might be easier for them to have it on a thumb drive or to be able to download it and watch it later. So we've got all of those different options kind of built in. Um, but yeah, those are the things I'm working on and, and kind of and how you, you and you don't hate money. So I'm sure if, um, after the Kickstarter's close, this is, this will all eventually end up becoming available, um, directly from you. Yeah, so there will be some stuff that will be available after the Kickstarter that's not part of the Kickstarter, but actually the final end product that we're going to be publishing, the only way to get that is going to be through Kickstarter. Okay, well, it, hopefully people are listening to this live and hopefully they uh, go right now. And like that, what is that? The pressure, um, limited availability, sell right. shit. like you got limited time. If you're listening to this live, you got about, Oh, I don't know, 27 hours. So. Right. Yeah. It closes at midnight on, uh, the 14th or 1159, I guess, technically. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you downloaded this immediately after your podcatcher hit it you listen to it immediately because i'm the most important thing in your life um, right. <laughs> but if it happens to be later um hey well i mean if, i'm gonna if it's, i'm gonna push if it's it out after the kickstarter then. closes you're gonna want to look at the list of backers and just reach out to them and say hey can i borrow that thumb drive and check out all that knowledge just on there yeah, um, value for value. You're in this community. You you definitely understand it. I know. I know you've put a lot uh, more than um, more than your fair share of value out there. And uh, I, I I saw somebody giving digs and stuff in one of the groups one day, and I just shook my head. I knew somebody was going to come come around and say, "What the hell is your problem?" But I just shook my head. I'm like, dude, I listen to this dude every Friday for like two years straight, and that guy got nothing from me. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, I'm pretty sure he puts it out there. So yeah, no, I was honestly really humbled by how quickly we got funded. Um, you know, and and the 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 funding amount that we asked for was literally like, this is what it's going to cost us to do it, and then as it grows, the extra money gets pumped back into the project. And of course, the more people, the more backers I have, the more bandwidth I have to pay for because, <clears throat> excuse me, a 45 minute HD quality movie with, you know, stereo sound is a lot of bandwidth. I didn't actually realize that unless I started yeah, digging yeah, yeah. into this thing. But um, yeah, so all of that value gets, gets plugged right back into the project to try to make this thing the best thing ever. And uh, I will say, you know, if you've got if you've got um, specific questions about this subject, right, and you didn't get in before the end of the Kickstarter, 
You can email me. My email is Sean at hackmyhomestead.com. It's spelled S-H-A-W-N. And there's, there's going to be a ton of information on the podcast and on my YouTube channel about this. You know, we'll do some live streams actually through this. And, and, and you know, here's the kind of things. Here's how we're putting stuff together. Um, but I did make the pledge to my backers that the actual end product, the only way you're ever going to be able to get it is through the Kickstarter. Doesn't mean you can't have access to the information. You just have to get it a different way than actually the, through the movie if you don't back the Kickstarter. You just got to be resourceful. Right. That's right. And ask questions. That's the key. Asking questions. I found that I found that um, when I finally pulled my head out of my ass and add, head out of my ass and ask questions, uh, things go a lot smoother. So no doubt. Sean, I'm going to have uh, your link, Hack My Homestead, in the in the um, video description. I'll grab a bunch of your socials. I'll have them down there. Uh, I encourage everybody to kind of check out all your stuff and uh, check out that Kickstarter if it's still rolling. If not, um, they can still go look at it after it closes, correct? It doesn't just like, disappear. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I encourage people to check it out. I've, I've explored the page. And then just reading the information there makes me ponder the possibilities of um those systems not just not just the way you've laid it out there but holy crap this could really come in handy so i encourage everybody to check it out i like to give people um i like to give guests uh, the kind of the open floor if they want to leave uh leave the audience with a thought or uh man just say come visit my website or whatever you want um but man uh, take the floor we'll uh i'll give it to you and then we'll uh, we'll wrap things up here all right sounds good thanks brian uh, the thing I leave everyone with is a lot of times this specifically the solar photovoltaic piece can seem overwhelming to people. OK, and a lot of people are like, I know I need a little bit more energy resilience on my property, whether it's a residential property in a neighborhood or whether it's a, a homestead. You know, I, I talk to people all the time. They're like, I know I need it. I just can't get around what I need or how to put it together. You can get you can put small systems together for relatively cheaply. And I know that means different things to different people, but you can put these systems together relatively cheaply. And once you have it together, once you have the components and you understand how the flow of electricity runs from your solar panel through your charge controller, into your battery, into your inverter, into your AC appliances. Once you understand that, it's really easy to scale up from that point. So I ask everyone, if you if you want to know about this, reach out to me, ask me questions. I love talking about this stuff. You know, like you're not bothering me if you send me an email saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And these are the components that I have. Like, will they work together? I've got a call later today. Literally, the guy bought a bunch of stuff threw it on a cart and he's like, all right, I'm ready to put it together. I just want to make sure I'm putting it together the right way. I'm like, dude, here's my phone number. Call me. We'll FaceTime, whatever. And I'll, we'll go through exactly how to put point part A into part B and all the way through flipping the switch. So I love talking about this stuff. Um, and, and I encourage everyone get started with a small system. Then you understand how the things work. And literally, if you put a small system in, you could take your entire house off grid using the same type of components, just more different sized ones. Right. Right. Totally agree. I mean, again, um, I think we come from the same kind of technical component uh, troubleshooting type 
background and yeah, just understanding the basics, being able to scale them up is invaluable. And uh, resources like you are are the other thing that make it possible. So, Sean, I appreciate you coming on and having a chat. And uh, congratulations on the Kickstarter, uh, both reaching it and all those stretch goals you will end up reaching uh, be by the time this airs. Uh, I could drop you off for uh, if you hang out for a second. I'd like to chat with you, but uh, I'm going to close things up and um, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks for having me on, man. And no problem. All right. What a great chat. Sean Mills of hackmyhomestead.com. Check the video description for the link to there. And I'll also grab a bunch of his socials and YouTube and all of that. You'll just scroll down and be able to click away. Uh, if you'd enjoy the show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find it at thelotsproject.com or on Noster, Telegram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Rumble, and Instagram. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 value for value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great day, guys, and we will catch up with you tomorrow. I can feel the sun